gosh, I love 1980s. I mean, like, just this year, I turned 40 years old. And I know for some of you, you're thinking that is ancient. The only thing, only words I want to say for you is wait. It will happen to you if you're lucky. So I turned 40 years old. And, you know, the crazy thing about the 80s is it, it was made up of, like, some really crazy times of, like, no fashion. Um, but at the time, everybody thought you were the stuff. You know what I mean? I remember Don Johnson in Miami Vice. Anybody remember that? He had the white jacket. I so wanted a white linen jacket. So wanted one. I remember Tom Selleck in uh, Magnum P.I. Oh, my gosh. I love Higgins and all that stuff. Knight Rider with David Hasselhoff. This is before, you know, he went on his drinking binge and, yeah, whatever. Um, and, uh, man, I, and, man, some of the songs, man, I love the song. Probably one of my favorite 80s bands is Huey Lewis and the News. Uh, and one of my favorite songs by theirs is uh, Power of Love. Does anybody, can anybody tell me what movie that was in? Back to the Future. You go. I don't know. Is that you, Donna? All right. No. All right. Cool. It's Christy. All right. Wonderful. I totally love Back to the Future. Totally did with Michael J. Fox and all that stuff. I remember Teen Wolf. I mean, it just, I just, I totally remember. I remember Boy George, who I think was more girl than boy now that I think about it. Throwing that out there. I remember, you know, comma, 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 chameleon. Oh, my gosh. I, I was in the rap when I was in middle school and high school. And my very first concert, I went to go see the Fat Boys in New Edition. And they were singing Mr. Telephone Man. I don't know if any of y'all remember that. If you do, it just means that you're old like me. All right? But, you know, here's the thing about 80s is at the time... We thought the fashion and all this stuff was in. But if you look on it now, it's out. In fact, let me show you some pics. From, I mean, all the people. I mean, here you got Olivia Newton-John. Anybody remember the song that she sang? Physical. Physical. That's exactly right. All right. And then all the leg warmers. I mean, that's some crazy stuff. I mean, everybody, you have the side ponytails. Uh, many times the girls had the stirrup pants. You had the jellies, the shoes. Remember that? The oversized earrings. You had the, the gloves that were, had no fingers in them, which I never quite understood. Um, now, that right here, I'm going to need counseling over. I'm going to be honest with you, because that's some scary smut. All right? A um, whole lot of neon, right? I mean, you had uh, ladies um, would wear T-shirts, white T-shirts, and then would wear, uh, like, suit jackets over them with the big, uh, the, what do you call those? Shoulder. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I remember peg-legging my... My jeans, because they didn't have skinny jeans back then, but you can make them skinny, and nobody wants to see me in skinny jeans. All right, this right here, it wasn't that funny. All right, um, I mean the hair. I'm totally remember mullets. Y'all remember mullets, right? Telling you what, it's like business in the front, party in the back. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know it, but I had a mullet. And by the way, if you have a mullet here today. There's one or two things I know about you. You're either a redneck, and God loves you, or, or um, you, uh, you might have a meth lab um, in the back of your house, and again, Jesus loves you too, or you love the 80s like me, right? So I'm telling you, my, I mean, that's just, that's something. So let's show you some more pics here. Totally, I remember some Curtis Blow. Nobody else knows what I'm talking about, but I love some Curtis Blow, all right? Keep on going. Uh, any, any, I mean, and again, the members only. Here's the thing. I don't know if you did this, but if somebody gave me all of these fashions today, I wouldn't wear them. Right? But at the time, I 
totally wanted a members-only jacket. Totally wanted one. In fact, I remember I finally got a members-only jacket when it wasn't just members-only. It was members-everybody because they were out of style. You know what I'm talking about? And I remember, I remember getting a members-only jacket and kind of putting out the vibe, you know, and everybody's going, you, you, you know, you last year's news, buddy. But there's something, because I didn't have a members-only jacket, I based my self-worth, my self-esteem, how I felt about myself, I based all of that stuff on whether or not I had a right label up on a jacket. And, you know, looking back on it now, we would think, I would never wear that, Right? I mean, Bob, even though he got the members-only jacket, he ain't going to wear that because it's 80s. Let, let, let me show you. Here's some pics that I had of what I looked like in the 80s. Dear Lord, that right there is a sock tie, all right? Now, I know that's out of style. This next one, um, I, I don't know. I just uh, that, That's me with the mullet, all right? In fact, I had, a, I had a, this a perm in the back. I perm, you know, I, I look good. It wasn't that funny. I looked really good, all right? This next one um, uh, is, I actually still think I'm in style on that one because I would still wear that shirt. I kid you not. I actually have a shirt just like that one. It's a little bigger. All right. Um, and I'll show you some more. I got some sock tie stuff. This was, my, I think, my first car. I had a 1978 Cutlass Supreme. I mean, it would pass everything but a gas station. It got seven miles to the gallon on the interstate. Pew green interior. This right here, the dude on the right, he was the best man in my wedding. And that was some chick from Tuscaloosa. So, um, yeah. By the way, is my wife here today? Anyway, moving on quickly. Quick. Oh, by the way, did you see that totally fresh? I was in a rap group because that's how I roll. All right. Now, this right here, I showed this to the first service and nobody, I, I'm in this picture. But they couldn't find me because I look more female than male. I don't know why. I am in the teal shirt sporting the Vans. Somebody said, are those kids? No, they were Vans. Y'all remember Vans and Adidas, right? Y'all remember Adidas, right? And I mean, some of the things, Banana Republic. I love the Panama Jack shirts, right? Here's another pic. This is my rocker days right here. Totally love this one. Yeah, baby. Come on now. Actually, that's, that's your book, so you don't want that. Anyway, but anyway, the, the thing of it is, we look back and we would go, man, if I could just have this brand, this label on, on the bottom of a jeans, on a, on a jacket, then I would be okay. I would be in the in crowd. I would feel good about myself. But looking back 20 years later, we laugh at this stuff because it, it's not in style anymore. In fact, I showed you my first car. I want to show you my dream car. My dream car was a Mazda RX-7. Now, does anybody have this car? In first service, somebody did. And I had to be careful where I was going with this one. Okay, this was my dream car back in the, in the 80s. In fact, I so wanted a car. Um, I remember my, my best friend, Charlie, who was in that picture. He said, man, Chris, when I turned 16, I got a truck for my birthday. I'm like, oh, this is going to rock because I was 15 at the time. I'm thinking, 16's coming, baby. So I'm, I'm going, I'm, and, I, and I remember being in my house, my 16th birthday, being in the hallway, and my parents go, I mean, hyping it up. My mom and dad, oh, we got you something. We know you're going to love it. And I'm like, oh, I'm just waiting for the keys. I'm just waiting. For, so I'm like, okay. They said, you know, close your eyes and put out your hand. And I'm like, sweet, this is it. 
I'm getting my Mazda RX-7. So I remember closing my eyes and putting my hand out, you know, waiting for the keys, and they, somebody took my hand and they flipped it over. And that's when I knew I was in trouble. And they placed my hand with my eyes still closed on a brand new 10-speed bike. <laughs> you know, it's funny today. I wasn't laughing. In fact, I vowed to never ride that bike. And you know what? I never rode the bike. I was wanting my Mazda RX-7. Now, here's the thing. That was my, that was, I loved that car in the 80s. But you know what? If somebody came up to me today and said, Chris, I just won the lottery. I want to give you a bunch of money so that you can go buy your dream car. Do you know what I wouldn't buy? I would not buy that. Because that was cool, but it is not cool any longer. It was, it's yesteryear. And that is the thing, that is what we're talking about today, is whatever you use to define yourself, especially if it's stuff, if it's clothing, if it's cars, if it's motorcycles, if it's boats, if it's whatever you purchase, if you can purchase it, if you're allowing those things to define you, then there's something wrong. Our big idea today is this. When we allow stuff to define our life, we never really live. Let's all say that together if we can. When we allow stuff to define our life, we never really live. You know, if we allow things and stuff and the next best thing and the next top model and the next thing to determine our contentment and our happiness in life, then we will never ever experience the life that God really has for us. I mean, y'all all, have, y'all all have heard of you know, keeping up with the Joneses, right? And we got to, I don't know who these Joneses people are. But I can tell you one thing, they're miserable. Because if you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, the Joneses are just trying to keep up with the Smiths. And the Smiths are purchasing stuff on credit cards trying to keep up with the Browns. And the Browns are purchasing the next big house, the next big boat, the next big car, whatever it is, because they're trying to keep up with the Johnsons. And every one of them have purchased on credit. They're all maxed out and they're all laying at night in bed worrying. Because when we allow stuff to define our life, we don't really experience life. Not the way God intended us to experience it. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Luke, the book of Luke, was written by a fellow by the name of Luke. Thanks for coming to One Church. And uh, Luke is all about Jesus. He's telling this story and he's talking about Jesus. So in Luke chapter 12, by the way, if you have a Bible, we want you to open it. If you don't have a Bible, we give them away free at our resource table, okay? Also, if you have a smartphone, you can go to Uversion, download that, and click live events, and you can follow along. If you don't have a phone or a Bible, God love you, look up here, all right? So this is where we're at, Luke chapter 12, verse 1, and let me give you the context of where we're going on this. It says, by this time, the crowd, unwieldy and stepping on each other's toes, numbered into the thousands. You know, the context of what Jesus is getting ready to talk about is Jesus is talking to how many people? Thousands. You know, I'm amazed that the very people that were, just could not wait to go and talk to Jesus, who couldn't come and just couldn't wait to listen to Jesus, are the very same people that are at home many times on Sunday mornings and they don't want to come to church. I think that's more of an indictment on us as a church than anything else. They loved being with Jesus, these people. And thousands of people are coming, and they're wanting to listen to Jesus teach. Now, verse 13, we're getting ready to see somebody 
just tell Jesus what to do. I mean, boldly tell him, hey, you need to do this. Look at what it says. Verse 13. Someone out of the crowd, evidently Jesus still had hecklers. Someone out of the crowd said, teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. So this guy doesn't ask Jesus. He tells Jesus, hey, Jesus, here's what you need to do. You need to tell my brother he needs to give me what is coming to me. And you know, amazingly enough, Jesus refused to get sidetracked in this family squabble. He, he, he chose not to go there. In fact, let's look at how Jesus responds. He replies this way. Mister, what makes you think it's any of my business to be a judge or a mediator over you? Jesus refused to get sidetracked with this guy's problems because he knew it was a, it was a lose-lose. In fact, amazingly enough, do you know Jesus... Through his entire ministry, he chose to never get sidetracked from the mission God put him on. You know the mission God put him on? Luke 19.10 says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was Jesus' mission. And let me tell you, our mission as a church here at One Church, and in in churches all across this country and this world, should be Jesus' mission. To connect people who don't have a relationship with God to a relationship with God. That's, that's our mission. Jesus chose not to get sidetracked, and we should choose as a church not to get sidetracked either over little petty stuff. Jesus, because he's God, he knew, and he's looking down in this guy's heart, and he knows what the real problem is. He realizes this guy thinks his problem is his brother. But no, this guy's biggest problem is something lurking deep down within of it in his heart. His biggest enemy is himself. It's his greed. Look at what verse 15 says. Speaking to the people, Jesus said, Take care, protect yourself against the least bit of what? Greed. Life is not... What's that next word? Okay, I need everybody to say this one. This is all skate moment. Life is not what? Life is not defined by what you have. Life is not defined by what you have even when you have a lot. In fact... That's our big idea. Jesus restated it. This is where we get it from this verse. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Let me give you a definition of greed. A definition of greed is when we allow what we own to own us. When we allow what we have to define us. Whatever that is. Accumulating more stuff, getting more money, getting a bigger house, getting a faster car, getting a nicer whatever, getting the next model, getting the next... I mean, and and for guys and girls, it's different, isn't it? Ladies, I've never once went into a mall and grabbed a pair of shoes and went, oh, I just think it looks wonderful. Not once. Don't get me to a Best Buy, right? That's our things, isn't it, guys? We go in there, and we're looking at 60-inch plasmas, 3Ds, all of this stuff. And ladies, you're looking at more clothing and things of that nature many times, all right? But all of us, we all look at what we don't have, and we think, you know what? If I had that, I would be happier. If I owned that, I think I would be cool. And what we used to do in middle school, we're still doing when we're in old school, right? Because we're still allowing our stuff 
to define us. And when we allow our stuff to define us, we don't experience life the way God wants us to experience it. We allow the things that we own to own us. And they shouldn't label us. They shouldn't define us. It's like a, a picture of a shipwrecked sailor who's out on a lifeboat and a life raft. And he's sitting there and he's dying of thirst. He doesn't have a canteen, no fresh water. And he starts cupping his hands and drinking salt water. The more salt water he drinks, the more dehydrated he becomes, right? Until he keeps on drinking the salt water until he dies of dehydration because the very thing that he's putting in his body is the very thing that's killing him. And the very things that we purchase many times to try to define who we are just make our life more hollower and emptier. It's like buying stuff is like a tapeworm for our souls, any of y'all ever seen the monsters inside of me, like TLC, HGTV, Elemental P, anybody? All right. Um, thank you. All right. I, you know, tapeworms is when you get a tapeworm and they get in your stomach and you can eat all you want to, but none of the food goes to you. It goes to what? The tapeworm. Well, let me tell you, many times when we allow stuff to define us, the more we purchase, the more hollower we feel. Greed is the tapeworm of our soul. So after Jesus teaches this principle, don't let stuff define you. He tells a story. Jesus was always telling stories. In fact, some people called them parables. You know what a parable is? A story. Thanks for coming. All right, look at this. Verse 16, Luke chapter 12. Then he told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for my harvest. Then he said, ah, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my old barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all of my grain and my goods. And I'm going to say to myself, self, you've done pretty good. You've got it made and now you can retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Have the time of your life. Just then God showed up and said, you fool." You fool, tonight you die. And your barn full of goods, who's going to get it? This is what happens when you fill your barns with self and not with God. Now, I, let me just talk with you just for a sec. Let me tell you what Jesus is talking about and what he's not talking about. He's not talking against having stuff. There's nothing wrong with owning stuff. There's nothing wrong with purchasing a house or getting a bigger... There's nothing wrong with that. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say that money is the root of all evil. In fact, let me tell you what it says. It says the what of money. The love of money. That's exactly right. It's when we have a tendency to love our stuff and love our money and all this stuff more than God. So there's nothing wrong with having stuff. What's wrong is when our stuff owns us. So, the problem is found in these verses of Jesus' story with the pronouns. In fact, if you look at the story, he uses the word I and my over 11 times. He says, this is what I am going to do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll gather in my grain. I'll say to myself, you've got it made. Take it easy. And I, I, me, me, my, my. Nowhere in this story do you ever read their or theirs or they, or them, not once. And that is why Jesus is calling this guy a fool. Because 
The tendency is when we have a lot of stuff and when we have a lot of money, we start getting preoccupied and focused on ourselves and not on other people and not on God. You see, the reason why God called him a fool is because this guy had forgotten all about God and forgotten about all about every other person out there. And he said, you know what, when you die, let me ask you this question, when you die, who's going to get your stuff? Your kids, hopefully, right? Government going to take some, right? And then you may have some kids that may be fighting, well, you need to give me what's mine, right? And I mean, I mean, that's what we're talking about. You can't take any of it with you. You can't take any of it with you. So this guy is not even thinking about his kids. He's not thinking about theirs or they. He's only thinking about me, my, myself. This dude had an I problem, a big capital I. It's all about him because he was the focus. He had confused earning a living with actually living. And that's why God called him a fool. Verse 22. I'm going to start actually read it, verse 21. Verse 21 said, that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Then he says in verse 22, he continued the subject with his disciples. And he says this, don't what? Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, another 80 song. No, he says, don't worry. Now, here's what I want to show you. In the next verses that Jesus is going to talk about, he uses the worry. And I want you to see if you can tell me how many times he uses it. He says this, don't worry about what's on the table at mealtimes or if the clothes in your closet are in fashion. Now, isn't that just something? Isn't that the type of things that we worry about? Where am I going to eat today? Where am I going to eat tonight? And, I mean, I don't have the right things to wear. Again, I don't think I've ever heard a guy ever utter that, but I'm sure you probably have. We've said about other things, right? What I got is last year's model. That's what that's saying. This is, I've got the iPhone 3, right? I got the iPhone 2, or I still got a flip phone. And don't you know the iPhone 5 is going to be coming out in October, November, right? That's what that verse is. He's saying, no, 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 no. We have a tendency to worry about stuff and worry about things. And look at verse 23. There are far more, there's far more to your inner life than the food you put in your stomach and more to you than the outer appearance of your clothes. You hang on your body. He's saying, and this is a principle Jesus is saying, how do you know that you've allowed your stuff and things to define who you are and your self-worth and your self-image? The tendency is we have a tendency to worry a lot. You and I, when we allow stuff to define who we are, we have a tendency to worry about how can we get it? How can we keep it? How can I pay off the credit cards because I've already bought it at 22% interest? And they're getting ready to come repossess it. And how can I give this to a family member who I can get it back once they stop calling? That's what we worry about. When... You think about it, the people who own nothing, they don't worry about anything. And that is one of the things that Jesus is talking about. Don't let stuff to define who you are. You are more than just the labels you purchase. You are more than just a members-only jacket, Chris. You are more than that. You are more than just buying your clothes from The Gap or, or from Abercrombie & Fitch or from wherever you get your clothes at, Walmart. Whatever it is, you're more than that. 
That's what your heavenly father is saying this. Don't allow that stuff to define who you are. And then Jesus goes on and talks about this principle in nature. Verse 24. Look at the ravens, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description. They're carefree in in their care of God. And you count for far much more than a raven. Has anyone, by worrying, there's the second time we've seen it, worrying before in the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? How many of y'all ever, how many of y'all want to be taller? Let me see your hands. All right? See, that's my problem. I'm not overweight. I'm under tall. I'm telling you what, if I was nine feet tall, I would be perfect. Right? But you know what? I can get in front of a mirror and go, and worry all day long. Am I going to get taller? Not at all. That's what Jesus is saying. If worrying can't do that, then Jesus says, why worry at all? That's a great question. Because worry doesn't fix the problem. If you are worrying about stuff, then I promise you what Jesus is saying is that you've allowed stuff and things and money and greed and materialism to define who you are. So how is your worry factor? How, what, are you, what are you worrying about? If, you, if you're worrying a lot, that's a great indicator that you've allowed things to start labeling who you are. Keep on going, verse 27. Jesus continues, walk into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They don't worry about their appearance, but have you ever seen color and design quite like what they've got? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside the wildflowers. If God gives so much attention to the wildflowers, most of them that's never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Taking pride in you? Doing best for you? What I'm trying to do is to, to get you to relax. Isn't that something? Try to get you relaxed. Not to be so, what's that next word? Preoccupied with what? Getting so that you can respond to God's giving. Let me tell you, life is not about accumulating more stuff. It's not. I know that may be the American dream, but it has turned into a nightmare. It's not about what you get. It's about what you give. Because as we've all talked about, when we die, we're going to give it all anyway. And we're not going to get any joy when we give it when we die. So we might as well give it away when we live. I mean, if we want to have an okay self-image, if we want to be okay and not worry about if we don't have the right clothes or the right labels or the right whatever sewn into, whatever Izod. I mean, I've heard of people, you know, I mean, taking Izod things and, and like sewing them into other ones because they didn't have the, the right label. Let me tell you about this. You can, if you look to God to define who you are and to get your self-worth from God, to get your esteem from God, let me tell you, you're going to have so much more positive self-image because you're looking at the one person we should really matter about how we see ourselves and not on whether or not we have the next best We can't be looking to Pottery One or to Pier One, Pottery Barn or Pier One or any of this other stuff, Kia, uh, any of this stuff to be able to find where our self-image is at. Because at the end of the day, it's all going to be like a members-only jacket that's out of date 20 years from now. Jesus closes it by this, verse 31. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all what? Else. And he will give you everything you need. He's saying, I want you to put God first. And if you, if you don't define who you are, not based on your stuff, but if you define who you are 
based upon your relationship with God, then he's going to give you what you need. I mean, all the things you've been worried about, can I do this, can I buy that, can I do this? He's going to give you what you need. Maybe not what you want, but what you need. If you put your priorities in place, if you put your heavenly Father first. That's huge. When we allow stuff to define us, we don't really experience life. And we confuse earning a living with really just living. Verse 33 and verse 34. This is how he closes it. How do we fix this problem? I mean, for many of us, okay, yeah, Chris, I hear you. I think I have starting to define myself by my labels or by my car or by my what. So what's the fix for this? Verse 33. Jesus gives us the prescription, the application of fixing this. And he says, be generous. He says, give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers, a bank that you can bank on. That sounds like a U.S. bank, like commercial or something, right? Get a bank you can bank on. But think about it. I mean, right now, our economy is in the tank. It's in the tank. And right now, if you're worried about, you know, your stocks, I can pretty much tell you what they're doing right now. Pull up, pull up, altitude. That's what they're doing right there. It is a bear market. I can barely stand it. Right? And some of you, you're looking at your retirement, and you're looking at all this stuff, and you know what? What he's saying is this. You can spend all your work, all your time, all, your, all of your energy for 50, 60, 70, 80 years putting it towards and putting it in a bank or in stocks. And what he's saying by that last verse, if you'll put it back up, he's saying this. You know what? The fix, if you really want to not be able to touch and when a bear market comes and the stocks start plunging, if you want to know how you can be okay, you be generous. You give to the poor. And this is not just giving to church. That's not what this is. I mean, that's part of that. But how many of us, when we go and we, we go to the exit 86 or exit 4 there, and right when we're there and, we're, and we see the homeless person, and we see the sign, hungry, need money for food. I mean, what do we do? Do we roll up the windows? Do we start making small talk and w- with other people so we don't have to look them in the eye? Now, I know some of us, you're, and I, you know, we did, well, what are they going to do with the money? Let me tell you a true story. John Wesley, he was a, a pastor who lived in the 1800s. He founded like the Methodist church. John Wesley is, is riding in a horse and buggy, a horse carriage, and he's with there with a couple of his friends, and a homeless man comes up to him and ask for some money. And John Wesley went in his, got in his pocket and handed him, this guy, a bunch of money. And they started driving down the, the street with the horse and the buggy. And one of his friends says, what in the world are you doing? Don't you know that dude is just going to go and he's just going to drink that stuff away? And John Wesley said this. He says, you know what? My Jesus tells me to give and to be generous. That's my responsibility. What he does with the money, that's his responsibility. What are we going to do? How can we break this greed? And the only way we can do it is by giving. It's by being generous. It's by giving to people who are in need. It's by saying, you know what? I see that you have a need and I want to meet it. 
I see that I can be generous with my money and generous with my finances. That's, that's the only way that we can get out of this bondage of greed. That's what he's saying. Now, last verse. Wherever your treasure is, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart and your thoughts will also be. Now, this is a natural principle. That wherever your treasure is, that's where your passion is going to be. It's, this is not an indictment. This is just a law. You've heard of the law of gravity, right? Law of gravity is when you throw something up in the air, what's going to happen? It's going to fall down. Now, you know what Murphy's law is? After you've thrown it up in the air, it's going to land on your head. That's Murphy's law. Well, let me tell you, this is a law as well. And what he's saying is this. Do you want to know where your heart is, where your passions are? Do you want to know what you're worshiping? Then the only thing you need to look at is where you're spending your money on. He's saying you don't need to look any further than going to your online check-in and see where you're spending your money on. So let me ask two questions and I'm done. The first question is this. Does God need your checkbook? Let's all say that out loud. Does God need your checkbook? No. He does not need your checkbook. Let me ask a follow-up question. Does God want your heart? Yes. And you know what your heart is tied to? Your checkbook. You see, this is not a plea that God is up in heaven going, biting his fingernails going, man, I sure hope they do whatever. No, 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 no. The Bible says our God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. If he needs more money, all he has to do is just snap or blink or whatever God does, and he has it. But see, this isn't about God getting more money. This is about God getting our hearts. And Jesus said, our money is tied to our heart. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I think many of us, we really don't treasure God in the things of God. And how we can tell that is by what we spend our money on. Are we generous to the poor? Do we give to those in need? Do we give? Are we generous? That's the only way we can break the cycle allowing stuff to define us. And i got to be honest with you. As silly and stupid as it is, thinking that 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I was down on myself because I didn't have a members-only jacket. Or Michael Jackson's Thriller, you know, with all the zippers, the red ones. Y'all know what I'm saying. I wanted that jacket. I never got that. And I felt like, you know, I'm part of the out crowd. And, you know, I don't like myself because I don't have that. That is dumb. Because today I wouldn't wear that. If I did, y'all would laugh. And I wonder if a lot of the things that we're spending our time and energy and money on right now, 20 years from now, we're going to laugh and go, huh, that would... That gap stuff, that stuff is stupid, right? I mean, that, I mean, I cannot believe I actually wore, that's so 2010, right? Because one day, it is going to be 2040, and you're not going to look as good as you do now. And we're going to go, I can't believe I ever spent money on that stuff, when Jesus is saying, if you, don't want, if, if you want to give to a place where you won't ever lose it, give it to him. Give it to the poor. Give it to those who are in need. Because when you've done this to the least of these, you have done it to me, Jesus said. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much, God, that we can read something like this in the Bible 
that's just so applicable. I mean, it just, it's just all up in my face. Because as silly as I think the things I allowed to affect me when I was in high school, many times I allowed those same things to affect me. No, maybe not a jacket, but a house, car. It's still stuff. Stuff that one day I can't take with me. Stuff that even today I'm allowing to label me. And God, I pray that you would allow us to rip off those labels. And Lord, that you would allow us to find our self-worth and to define who we are in you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.